Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. So welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are here with our summer book preview, and we're going to do the last two books in March Madness. Yep. So what have you been reading? What have you been, what's one thing you've been reading? And is there anything, since we're going to talk about summer books, is there anything that's out right now or just about to come out that you're interested in? Yeah. So I just finished a book called Other People's Children, which came out in April. So it's pretty recent. It's by RJ Hoffman, who the whole time I assumed was a woman and it turns out was a man. Hmm. Um, (laughs) it is about, uh, did that change the way you thought of the book? You know, it made me have more admiration for it in some ways, because Hmm. it's a book of really about being a mother. Right. And it's about three women and it's about, um, a couple that lives in Chicago who have had a bunch of miscarriages and they are chosen by a teenage girl to be the adopted family for her baby when the baby is born. So when the baby um, is born, they're in the hospital with her. They bring the baby home and the girl has this really awful mother and the mother uh, basically tells her, you have to get the baby back. Like you can't sign away. You can't, you know, sign the papers to give up your baby. And if you don't get the baby back, I'm going to kick you out. So, and that, this all happens really early on. So it's not a spoiler. And so the question is, what does the girl do? And of course the couple has already become emotionally attached to the baby. And so you kind of rotate among the three women, the adopted mom, the teenage mom, and then the, the mother of the teenager. And I just thought he did a good job with these women. And, you know, you kind of feel for all three of them. There's no, no real villains here. The, the, the older mom is kind of awful, but you know, you sort of start to understand where she's coming from. And so, yeah, it did kind of surprise me that it was a man. And then it made me feel like, wow, he really took on a very female, um, topic and perspective. And that sort of made me appreciate it even more. So, yeah, so that came out April 6th, I believe. And that was the last book that I finished. And I liked it a lot. It's not like, you know, when you start some books, you feel like, okay, this is not going to end well, because you can tell already that someone's going to be unhappy at the end and very unhappy. So, you know, that's going to happen here because there's only one baby. And so the question is, you know, who is going to be the unhappy person at the end and how are we going to get there? Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. How about you? I just finished this book. Uh, I think it came out recently too. It's called Mirrorland by Carol Johnstone. I've seen that everywhere. Uh, Yeah. It's a book about these twins uh, from Scotland and they grow up in this creepy house with their grandfather and their mom. And I don't know, I listened to this on audio and I wonder what it would have been like to read it because I didn't read it at all. So I just felt like there was so much stuff going on and it slides a lot between the past and the future or the present moment, I guess. In the present moment, the sisters are grown and it seems like uh, one of the sisters, Elle, has married a young, well, he's not young anymore, he's their age, but a young boy that they knew in their past. And I think both sisters have been involved with him at one point, but he marries the sister L, the other sister Kat, she moves to Los Angeles and she's just, you know, trying to get her life together and escape whatever trauma that was caused in this house, number 36 Westrick Road. And she gets word that her sister has died, like her sister is missing on this boat. She goes back, of course, and has to face the past and their childhood. But she doesn't believe that her sister's dead. Like there's all these clues that she keeps getting in the email that are sending her through treasure hunts or like uh, not treasure 
treasure hunt so much as scavenger hunts through the house so that she is confronting more and more of her past through that. And she just, she really doesn't know what to believe. Like she feels like her sister is definitely playing with her and, you know, they've had such a fraught relationship, but yeah, I don't know. There's just lots of stuff going on, lots of past coming in and she'll be in the present one moment and then you sort of find yourself in the past. So it definitely keeps, you know, you have to pay attention or to keep up with what was going on, but it was really good. I liked it. Um, I think there's always a lot to be said when, if you grow up in an abusive relationship or have an abusive childhood. And it seems like that's magnified because they're twins and the different ways in which they interact with each other and kind of work through their, through their relationship, which of course you see through flashbacks and through, um, cat chasing down these clues that L has left and, you know, why she thinks she's still alive. But I really liked it. Twins are always such good fodder for fiction. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think because on the one hand, I think that people project a lot onto twins that we don't want to see in our own relationships or whatever. Um, just how intense they can be and how you deal with it. I think that there's a lot. I feel like every twin twin novel I've read is about some like deeply messed up communication that they have with each other or I guess how you can raise them in unhealthy ways. Like if there's not enough distinction and validation of their own personalities, it's it's like not good, (laughs) especially when they're identical. Speaking as the mother of twins, I could not agree with that more. Yeah. I think a lot of people too, I think it can be difficult, you know, when probably before their personalities develop, but you know, no matter if you're exactly the same, everyone experiences life and circumstances differently. So there's just no way to control for having two absolutely the same personalities. It makes me wonder too, if this author, she seemed to have um, a good understanding, I guess, of what what would support uh, or I guess how the twins relate to each other. Like there's this line in the book where she talks about each of them always being defined, um, like divvying up the traits, you know, one gets to be outgoing and one is sort of not, or <laughs> so that you don't have almost like you can't claim, um, like you can't claim the same traits because you're each defined by the opposite. And then there's this part in the book where someone sees her and of course her sister is dead, but she knows that they're really just seeing her sister, even though they're trying to wrap their mind around the fact that she is not. So. Yeah. I don't know why people sometimes think twins are like zero sum. Like one has to be. Right. They can't both be outgoing. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And I just, I find that so strange. I mean, I don't have identical twins, so I guess the, the, temptation is a little bit less there, but like, they're like, are they opposites? I'm like, no, they're not opposites. They're just (laughs) different people. (laughs) They're like most people are going to (laughs) share some traits with someone else. And some people are, you know, going to share, are not going to share traits with that person. It's the same thing. It's very strange to me. Yeah. I mean, because when you think about like, for some reason, the Williams sisters popped into my head, you know, you wouldn't expect them I mean, one of them is dominant at tennis, but they both had these driven personalities that that got them to success, shaped by their environment, you know, by their father, but still they both had that competitive drive. So it's not like you said, you know, oh, one won't be as good or whatever. So yeah, it's it's weird. I think a lot of us just, make decisions that don't necessarily make any sense and no one can convince us otherwise. Just like they both can't be outgoing. So, okay. So that was your recent book. What are you reading now? 
Or are you so, still casting about for a book? No, I'm reading something. I started one of the new book of the month, well, last month's book of the month picks called What Comes Next by Joanne Tompkins, which people seem to love. So I've just started. I mean, I'm probably like 25 pages in. I have to look that up and look at the cover because I just don't even remember that. It's red. I'm sure once you see it, you'll recognize it. I'll be like, oh, I have that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what is it? What comes next? What comes next? It doesn't even come up. Maybe yeah. I have the title wrong. That would uh, be. Maybe is it what comes after? Yeah, that's maybe it. <laughs> no, it's upstairs. <laughs> it's one of those generic titles, you know. Right. That could. Yeah. Yeah. This looks vaguely remember. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw that. Did you pick um a, a book for this month? Uh, I did. Is it bad that I've forgotten what I picked already? No, I can't remember either. I'm looking it up right now. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I picked two. I know. I think I did three. Oh, wow. I don't think they were ones like every now and then I will grab something that I meant to grab before. Or if I see something like someone in my family would like, I'll get it. Yeah. Like I got, I got imposter syndrome. Can't oh, you, you tell? Did. Can't I you was... tell that I'm excited to read that one? <laughs> no, I was intrigued by that one. Wait, is that the one that's set in Silicon Valley? Uh, is it set in more than one place? I think so. It's like shenanigans in Silicon Valley. Yeah, I like that one. That looked interesting. Um, I did not pick that one. I picked How Lucky. Oh, okay. And I also picked up Good Company as my add-on. No, I didn't. I think I just bought Good Company. I picked up as add-ons the guest list and home before dark, just because I feel like my aunt will like those. Got it. Uh, But yeah, so I got imposter syndrome. I am looking forward to reading that, even though I forgot that I got it. How lucky. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's do our final two books in the March Madness Challenge. Okay. And then we can go through some of the summer books that we've picked out. And I have a couple of news items. Okay. Um, I'm going to stop for one second. What are we going to talk about, though, in the second episode? Should we save the news items for that? No, the second episode is uh, it's the overall, everything we read in April. Okay. So we are at the final two of our March Madness bracket. And we've come down to what I think was probably a predictable uh, championship, which is Sing on Buried Sing versus In the Dream House, which I think we probably could have predicted this early on, that this would have been the two. Um, There were a few that were a little tight, um, but I don't know. Once Sing on Buried Sing knocked the Nickel Boys out, I think it was kind of inevitable. It was going to get to this point. So what do you, do you have a gut reaction on this one? Well, my gut reaction, of course, is to lean towards fiction. <laughs> hmm And why is that, do you think? Um, I don't know. See, this is just a, a gut reaction. I mean, I feel like Sing on Buried Sing is a classic. I feel like it's a book that you can probably read again and get something completely different. You know, I think that it is always going to say something about the state of where we live. And uh, I love its opportunities, not that humans work in this way, but I love the opportunity that it gives to empathize with some someone different. Uh, I just think maybe because it's more heart-centered, I feel like in the dream house, Yes, it's masterful what she does and it calls attention to so many different things, but more in an intellectual sense. Uh, Yeah, I don't think my heart was engaged as much. You know, we're revisiting a relationship and I don't know, I think if I had to compare and contrast, it is it says something to me about the power of fiction to really connect you to different people and their circumstances. Like I love in the dream house, I would read it again. And maybe there's a disconnect too, because I do think that in presenting 
her relationship in the way that she does, she is inviting you to be intellectual about it or she is like looking at it from a place of where she's analyzing something that has gone on. So she's doing it from a remove. I think I agree with everything that you just said. And I don't have a whole lot more to add. Although I don't know if I would say that in the dream house is at a remove because it felt so deeply, intimately personal. Um, I mean, there were certain chapters that maybe were more abstract or more clinical than others, but I do think you feel her pain throughout the book very acutely. And it fe- in some ways it felt immediate. I mean, maybe, maybe you made a good point from the beginning about fiction versus nonfiction, because in the dream house was clearly written with the benefit of hindsight and perspective and, you know, the ability to process and kind of get past and distance and all of that. So maybe that's what you mean by the remove. Whereas, right. yeah, the thing She's Unburied definitely saying, taken a look. It's not, yeah, she's taken a look and, and it's like, this is what I've come away with, come away, yeah, come away with through the lens of these different types of genres. Right. Sing Unburied Sing, because it's fiction, has the benefit of the immediacy of the story and you're just so in it. And I think that your point about empathy, which we've talked about on the show about this book multiple times, is you know very well taken. That really puts you in the lives of these people and makes you understand what they're facing, what their past is, and you feel for them in a way that you know you might not otherwise. If you were just sort of reading about them, like if you were just you know, if you heard the fact pattern, you would you know come to judgments about them, and then you start to really understand who they are. So I agree with the outcome of Sing Unburied Sing. I think it of this list is you know it's deserving of the of being the winner. So I'm I'm happy with how that came out. So we are in agreement. Yay. <sighs> So that is our best book that Gail and I have jointly read over the last couple of years. I think at the rate that we're going now, uh, we'll just have a final four next year. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, that is the end of March Madness. So thank you to everyone who listened and contributed thoughts when we couldn't resolve. But Um, I think that this is right for our top two. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, um, ranking system worked pretty well, the seeding. Mm-hmm. So again, thanks to the listeners who helped us, you know, who voted and helped us do that. Yeah. There were some really tough moments. Yeah. Some and heartbreaks. I didn't, yeah, there were, but I didn't, I think when we left it up to our listeners, I did not, I was okay with it. I wasn't like, I think it's because the ones that we couldn't come up with were just so close (laughs) that it wasn't, it was just like, well, whichever one. All right. Book news. So book news. So I told you guys in the beginning of the year that it was going to be Great Gatsby everything (laughs) because it is now in the public domain. So they're making a musical out of this. I don't know if I knew this back when uh, I first mentioned this at the beginning of the year that Great Gatsby was in the, in the public domain. You know, I was just kind of like, so now anyone can take a crack at it. Gail and I can come up with uh, an, a pseudonym uh, that combines both of our names to be an author <laughs> <laughs> and write our Great Gatsby novel if we want to. But yes, there's going to be a musical. And they say that uh, this is an article in Entertainment Week- Weekly that Florence Welch from Florence and the Machine, which I don't know any of her music, but I think I've mentioned her before because she does have an online book club that she runs on Instagram called Between Two Books. But she has a hand in bringing this story to life. She, you know, as a musical. And, uh, I wonder as a musician, if she'll be writing some of these things, but she talks about how musicals were her first love and, you know, how she was really haunted by the story. So she is going to be helping uh, produce and adapt it. 
And then, of course, you know, also this year there was Nick uh, by Michael Farris Smith, which was a prequel novel to The Great Gatsby with the narrator of The Great Gatsby, Nick Carraway, just getting a little bit into his life before, um, you know, I, he moves to East Egg and starts hobnobbing with Gatsby. The endless fascination with The Great Gatsby. <laughs> Especially since it did not do well uh, when it first came out. So Rachel Lindsay from The Bachelor is, or she's actually exited The Bachelor franchise now, is going to be writing a book called Miss Me With That that's coming out January 25th. So she said that she is not going to be holding back. (laughs) Oh, good. So you'll get all those juicy details, Gail. I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, The Bachelor, I think, has reached, just because of whatever controversies that have gone on this last year, have probably reached audiences that they wouldn't necessarily reach. Uh, I mean, because even I know that there's controversy, and Rachel Lindsay's season was the only one I watched, because I just... You know, The Bachelor, I just feel like it just does the same thing every year. So um, I didn't even watch Matt. I didn't even watch him. I don't think I've ever made it through a season of The Bachelor. Just how they're different from The Bachelorette is just so disturbing to me, like the way women act over men. Um. Yeah, no, they're clearly very different. And I usually watch the whole season and I watched all of Matt's season. I didn't watch, did I watch Rachel's season? I think I watched half of it. Um, yeah, no, that show has really like had a huge reckoning this year. And I'm so curious to see what happens next, especially because Chris Harrison's gone, at least temporarily. And even with The Bachelorette, I thought that, um, I don't know, it's different with the guys because I just feel like they're so competitive. Like, how do you really know that you're getting someone who wants you as opposed to just doesn't want to leave the show or just wants to win. And I felt like every guy who left was just like, she doesn't know. And we could have had whatever, whatever. (laughs) It's like, obviously not. Right. It's just very weird. Well, of course it's totally weird and unnatural. The whole thing. All right. So are we ready for summer books? Yes. With my list of summer books, I just want to, preview that unlike other summer reading lists that you might find on other shows where the list, at least for me, can't speak for you, where the person preparing the list has read all the books beforehand and kind of vetted them and, you know, decided whether they were worthy and maybe they were not necessarily books coming out right then, but they're just like summer appropriate books. For me, I haven't read any of these. These are books that are coming out this summer that I think will be um, good summer reads that sounded interesting to me. In fact, with almost all of the books, I've, I've never read the author before. So they're new authors, new books. So I think they sound good, but I can't really vouch for them. Like I haven't spent hours previewing and you I know, think vetting. that's normally how we do it. It's like, right. these are the books that we are most excited about, would like you to know that they are coming out. So if there are authors you're familiar with or themes and storylines that you're likely to enjoy, that we say, these look good. And for ourselves as well. No, that's definitely true. I just want to make sure if someone maybe is listening new, I don't want them to be expecting books, book reviews. Upset or, with us. Yeah. Don't <laughs> I hold read us to book these because... books. So, Okay. We talked briefly about this before the show. So I just want to get into that conversation a little bit for our listeners is that maybe there was just so much. I I remember the spring preview show. I feel like once I had gone through and narrowed it down, it was 40 books. And then I had to pick eight or 10 or however many we ended up picking. I felt really differently about it this time. I don't know. I feel like I might be reading a lot of my spring list or continuing to read my spring list because there are some things I'm interested in, 
but I just feel like it, it's a different feel. Like this summer so far hasn't offered up as much. Yeah, I think that's right. It didn't, it didn't feel as like, oh my God, there's this and there's this and there's this and I've got to get my hands on these and how am I going to read them all? This is kind of like, oh, okay, maybe I'll add that one. It, it just it felt a little weaker. Yeah, no drop down out of the sky, start reading right away, which is uh, how I termed it for spring. Yeah, I think that's right. But I'll let you know what I pre-ordered as well. I'm just going to list that, but maybe towards the end of the show. So what was first up for you, Gail? Okay. So my first book is called... Oh, and I also wanted to say before I jump into it, I deliberately picked, picked books that are a little lighter. With the exception of one book on this list, these are all like beach reads. Like these are books that to me would be ones I picked up in the summer that are, you know, relatively quick, but very enjoyable reading. There's not a lot of super heavy stuff here. Same. Okay. So it's not like my usual depressing, right. Dysfunctional family fair. So there's some of it, but for the most part, we've got romance and, you know, contemporary fiction type stuff in here. Okay. The first one is called To Sir With Love by Lauren Jane. And I don't know anything about Lauren Jane and she might be a very like well-known sort of romance type writer. But this is a an update of the movie You've Got Mail. It's about uh, two people who are business rivals like the movie who then connect in a different uh, venue. In this case, I think it's Tinder. And they, you know, are sort of like dual tracking their relationship. They have what's going on on one side and then what's going on on the other side. And I don't know if what's going on on the other side, they are aware of who the person is that they're interacting with. So if you remember the movie, it was, you know, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, which is of course an update on an older movie. And, you know, he's got a big bookstore and she's got a little bookstore and he's trying to take her over and she hates him and, you know, loathes what he stands for. But yet then they start conversing on email and they fall in love that way. So I'm assuming it's a similar pattern. Um, One of the reviews I read said, it's the perfect read while sipping a Mai Tai on the sand. It just sounds very light and fun. I didn't realize that You've Got Mail was based on another movie. I think it's called The Little Shop on the Corner. Huh. And it's like a like a pretty old movie, like maybe like black and white type movie. Okay. I was like, I've never heard of that. Yeah. I think that I it's something like that. So that one just looked cute, seemed very summery. It comes out on June 29th. Do you know anything about this author? No, I've never heard of them. I don't think. Okay. Is this a debut or no? I don't know. Hmm. All right. So my first pick is The Vixen by Francine Prose. I've read other books by Francine Prose that I've really liked. I feel like, oh yeah, I read this book by her called Golden Grove. Oh, I read that. Yeah. Did you like it? I don't remember what it's about. Neither do I. I'll have to look (laughs) it up. While you're talking, I'm going to look it up see if I can remember it. It's a coming of age story a young girl facing the consequences of sudden loss after the death of her sister. This is, this, go- oh yeah, that This is right. Golden Grove. Okay, I'm looking it up. It got a 3.27 on Goodreads and I rated it as four stars, which sounds about right. Oh yeah, the older sister dies. Are you remembering it? Oh, I'm reading my review. <laughs> I didn't, there were parts of it I didn't like because it had to do, like the, the parts about afterlife Oh, there was like some sort of slightly like spirit ghost type stuff in here. Gail is like, can we keep it to this realm? Yeah. Keep it to this world. I said it left me a little cold. Mm. That's how I felt about the book. Oh, but you know what? Um, I did an online book club for this book. That's probably what you read it for. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm looking to see if you left a comment on my blog. This is from 2010. It's quite a long time ago. Oh my gosh. There you go. There's your comment. what I say? I enjoyed this book overall. I've been looking forward to reading a book by prose. I thought her writing was lovely and observant. Like the writing from the first and the easy late conversations by the sisters in the beginning were beautiful. Good choice, Gail. 
Thanks mm. for giving me the excuse. I needed to finally read her fiction. I look forward to reading more. 11 years later, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Francine Prose, here I yeah, am. There she is. So she's written this story called The The Vixen, and it's set in 1953. It's about a Harvard grad who is hired by a New York publishing firm to write, uh, to work on a book called The Vixen, which is described as a lurid bodice ripper, improbably based on the recent trial and execution of Ethel and Julius Rosenberg. So I may have lied a little bit. This does not sound like. Uh, so anyway, Simon has a little secret. He's a little torn about working on this book because he is Jewish and it seems like his family knew uh, the Rosenbergs. Like his mom was a childhood friend of the Rosenbergs and his parents really, you know, they mourn her death. So, and then he meets the author of the book who is this beautiful woman who is like, I don't know, secreted away in some luxury Hudson River Mental Asylum is what they call it. So as he is grappling with whether he's going to work with this book, this editing assignment, he just stumbles into some other things like sex, politics, money, power, and how he navigates that. And and it says that the woman's book is hilariously bad. So he's going to be editing this terrible novel uh, against the backdrop of all this other things, all these other things that are going on. So I really remember liking her writing and wanting to get back to her. So 11 years later, I'm looking forward to The Vixen. <laughs> Good. Okay. So, oh, I lied. There's actually two authors on here I've read before. So um, the next one for me is called That Summer by Jennifer Weiner. Uh, who also just recently wrote Big Summer. So don't confuse that summer with Big Summer. Um, Are they related? No, I don't think so. I think they're totally different. Mm. So they're about two women who have similar email addresses. One of them is a, uh, says a woman who's a successful businesswoman, fulfilling volunteer, and a head full of discontent. And then she starts getting emails that were meant for a younger single woman with a similar email address. So they start uh, talking to each other, start emailing with each other. It's funny. This is the second um, book I'm talking about that involves technology and you know communication. Yeah, I was about by to something. say, it sounds like you've got mail. Yeah. So then it says, we learn that it might be less than coincidental that mm. the two connect. So it says a twisty novel about female friendship. So maybe there is some sort of nefarious thing going on where these women were intended to meet. Um, but, uh, I don't know, like I, I was a little disappointed by big summer, but I had a really hard time putting it down because it turned from what I thought was going to be a book about friendship into something that was like a, turned out to be a murder mystery, which I was sort of by surprised by and not that into. Yeah. By Jennifer Weiner. That was big summer. But um, I, I do like her writing and I've got other books by her I want to read. I want to read Mrs. Everything, which I never got to. And I don't know, this one sounded good. It comes out on May 11th. Okay. So my next book is Something Wild by Hannah Halperin. And the tagline is a searing novel about the love and contradictions of sisterhood and the intoxicating desires of adolescent and the traumas that trap mothers and daughters in cycles of violence. So this is one of these books where the two sisters travel, they're grown now, but they put their lives on hold to go home to help their mom pack up their childhood home, like in the Boston suburbs. It seems like her mom is is in a new relationship, so I'm not sure if she's going to be moving in with this new man, but the sisters are just horrified to discover that uh, this man has been abusing their mother. So one of the sisters really wants her mom to get a restraining order. And then the other sister just can't hold these two ideas in her head because of how she's always known this man and her fondness for him. And it's hard for her to accept that he could be violent and abusing her mom. So it's told in alternating perspectives. Um, 
It says it's a psychologically acute exploration of the legacy of divorce and the ways that trauma reverberates over generations. So it's all about these sisters trying to help their mom and also confronting, you know, just their past growing up together, um, jealousy, anger, all the things that, that, uh, inform sibling rivalry. So that sounded pretty good. Okay. My next book is called Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. And did you have this one too? I did. You did. Okay. So Sarah of Sarah's Bookshelves has read and highly recommended this one. And it is about two writers. One is an erotica writer and one is a literary recluse. And they meet and have a ton of chemistry. And it turns out that they have a past where they had a romantic week 20 years ago, and they've been kind of conjuring up that week through their writing. So now they have a second chance and what's going to (laughs) happen. So it's a romance and uh, it just sounds like it's uh, really good. Did you hear anything differently or anything to add? Mm -mm. Just sounds good. Looks interesting. Like the cover. Yeah. All right. So next up on my list, (laughs) you're going to laugh because I did not like this book as much as you did maybe, but it's Silver Tears by Camilla Lackberg. And when I say I didn't like this book, I mean the book that preceded it, which is The Golden Cage. So Faye is back. I had no idea that this was going to be a series, but she's back. And I won't even mention like Gail, you can imagine that people are going to be coming after Faye because of all the things that she did. And she's got some pretty big secrets that uh, could possibly come to light and endanger her uh, in this next book. I'm trying to say this without giving away what happened at the end of the first book. If people have not read The Golden Cage and want to read it, uh, pretty much reading the jacket for this book is a spoiler for the first book. So... (laughs) But let's wow, just say I that, okay. that all the things that she worked so hard to arrange and all the sacrifices that she made to, to get her life to line up are in danger of coming out. So God knows what she will do when that happens. She's the heroine of the golden cage. Golden cage. Okay. Do you remember what happened at the end of that book? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Okay, I won't say obviously because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, right. I do kind of remember. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. But so I would need a maybe a little refresher where I had to pick this one up as well. Oh, it'll all come back to you. Like I said, I'm purposely not mentioning this. I'm not mentioning what's happening in the second book because it totally ruins it. Okay. All right. So my next one is actually probably the the heaviest and darkest of the ones on my list. And it's called God Spare the Girls by Kelsey McKinney. Comes out June 22nd. And this is about, you know, it's funny. This is probably the one I'm most likely to read too. (laughs) That's a dark one. After you look for light ones on purpose. Right. But this one just sounded really good. So there's two sisters um, who have a a father who is the pastor of a megachurch, evangelical megachurch. So they're, first of all, they're both kind of trying to deal with like the expectations placed on, you know, the daughters of pastors and how they have to live a very particular life because they're in the public eye. And, you know, so there's, I think, issues with them sort of testing the boundaries of that. But then they find out a secret about their father. It makes him not who they thought he was. So it's set in Northern Texas. um, And the description I've read calls it a coming of age story of family identity and the delicate line between faith and deception. Maybe reminds me a little bit of, what was that book? Um, Essie, Book of Essie. What was the name of this one again? This is called um, God Spare the Girls. Oh, okay. Just sounds really good. (laughs) You're just like, I picked all these light beach books, but this is but the I one I'm mostly... the depressing one. <laughs> I am who I am, right? <laughs> all right. So when I was up looking at EW this morning, besides discovering that Olympia Dukakis died, which is sad, um, I also saw that there's an excerpt of this book called Stolen Out. And I immediately said, now that's interesting. This is something that I want to read. Uh, so it's by Elizabeth Gilpin and it's about 
this overachieving teenager, it's a memoir, who was going through depression. So like she was really angry at her family and acting out in ways that increasingly frustrated her family. And they have her kidnapped and like dropped in the middle of the of the Appalachian Mountains or something where she spends three months trying to survive that. And then she's sent to like this corrective boarding school, which she describes as more like a prison. So it's all about her. I think this happened when she was 15 and just about her trying to get her life back on track after something, after that devastation. It's just like one of those things I feel like really don't, would be less likely to, yeah, I don't know anyone who would have anyone kidnapped. (laughs) Yeah. This sounds heavy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I lied about my light beach reads. I tried. I know we try, but we are who we are. Uh, Okay. So next one for me is called The Husbands by Chandler Baker. And this sounds kind of thrillery as well. It's got a Stepford Wives element to it. So it's about a woman who, um, she's an attorney. She is a working mom and she feels like she's doing all the work in her relationship. Her husband is also a, you know, a professional, he's a doctor and he's working hard too, but she still feels like the, you know, the bulk of the housework falls on her, the family management falls on her and she's frustrated about it. And she becomes friends with this group of women and finds that their husbands are all super helpful and super supportive. And they're not dealing with any of the stress in their lives that she's dealing with in hers and her marriage. But I think there's a secret, there's a reason behind it. Um, there's, you know, some explanation for why that's happening. And I don't know, the Goodreads reviews of this were really good. Everyone's like, oh my God, like she described my life perfectly. And this was so, you know, satisfying to read. So I don't know. Do you know anything about this author, Chandler Baker? Mm-mm, never heard Who of her. Whisper Network? Oh, I did hear of that. Wasn't that a book out last summer that was about, I think so. Yeah. these women who worked at some office and I think the whisper network was about men they should avoid in their company or something. Oh yes, that's right. I think I have that book upstairs. (laughs) Um, so this is another sort of like rage at men (laughs) book. Right. They're all the rage uh, right now. All the rage. And this doesn't come out till the, um, August. So August 3rd. So you have time. You have time to request this, get on your library hold list. So my next book is by Shari LaPena called Not a Happy Family. And so they have this quote from Ruth Ware and they're just like, no one does suburban paranoia like Shari LaPena. So this one is about this family where of course everyone is keeping secrets. Uh, it's a really wealthy family. They live in someplace upstate, Brecon Hill. You have to be rich to live there. And these people, Fred and Sheila Merton are really rich, but they are murdered one night after Easter dinner. Um, and I think their three adult kids are there. Of course, the kids are devastated, but the question is, are they really like they each would inherit millions with their, uh, parents' death and they were just like never a happy family. So it's about, it's a whodunit. And is it someone from inside the family or is it someone, uh, outside the family? I mean, this is a Shari LaPena novel, so it's probably someone inside the family. (laughs) That's my guess. And that's out July 27th. Okay, I lied at the beginning. I think I said it was only one repeat author for me, but it's actually three. So the second of the repeat authors is Lori Frankel. And it is because I really like Lori Frankel that I'm including this book. It's called One, Two, Three, coming out June 8th on this list, because I have to tell you, I have read the description of this book it multiple times. Like- no, I can, can't figure it out. I have no idea what's, what it's actually about. So uh, it's, there's triplet 
girls living in this town and in the past, the town had like a contaminated water issue. And I don't know what the connection is between the two of them. I can't, like, I've, I've honestly tried. I've read the description. I don't know if it's, this is a book marketing issue or if it's that this book is just confusing. That's really interesting because I saw that book. Um, I think it was one of Libro FM's picks last yes. month, influencer yes. picks that I downloaded because I really, I read, um, I just read her last book, I think. This Did is we how talk it always about is. That? This is how it always is. Yeah. I really liked yeah. that. Yeah. So really liked it. Read the description of this book. Same as you. I think I would have mentioned it. I was like, but I didn't even know what I would say about this. Well, right. So I'm glad I, I you have, took it on. Yeah. I have the notes I took for the show say book about triplets and contaminated water question mark. Like I don't understand what it's about, but it's on the strength. I've read two of her books. I read, um, this is how it always is. And then I read, Oh God, what is her other book called? Her other book was really interesting. I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to look up the title of it because I did not get that much attention. Um, goodbye for now. Okay. So goodbye for now is about this couple who creates a company that basically mines people's social media presence so that after they die, they can mimic them and their loved ones can continue to converse and interact with them even after they're dead. So it basically creates these personas out of existing content using an algorithm and then gets to know these people so well that it can then become them later on, which is totally like controversial and strange, but very so poignant. she writes all over the place then. All over the place. And then came, of course, this is how it always is, which is about a family with a transgender child. And I thought it was great. And so that's why I'm including this one, but I honestly, I can't, I've read this description. It sounds like you had the same issue. I don't get what it's about. If anyone out there has read this book already, cause I have seen it around on like some of the, you know, swap sites. So clearly it's, there's arcs of this book out there. Can somebody comment on what this book is actually about? Somebody and whether you liked it. And then like the, uh, Amazon, it's all, um, it's all blurbs. There's no, mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just, <laughs> yeah. So I'm putting it here because I like Lori Frankel so much. And I like right. books about triplets. Yeah. Just one so up me one with the twins. Good. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you tackled that because I definitely looked at that and I was like, I don't know what this, I don't know what I would say. Like, what is yeah. this about? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, what's your next one? Okay, so my next one is Palm Beach by Mary Atkins. And she's written a couple of books that I feel like I want to read and just never have, but maybe I will read this one. It's called Palm Beach, and it's about this couple in their 30s. You know, they are having a bit of a struggle. Um, It's a husband and wife, and one is maybe an actor or whatever. But he gets this opportunity to go to Palm Beach and to like run someone's household for them. And while he is there, I guess he meets a billionaire and then is able to maybe do some work for that billionaire as well. So the tension in this novel comes because his wife is actually someone who used to, she was a freelance writer and she would write like about inequity, wealth inequity, and just the discrepancies between how certain classes live. So now she's in the situation where she is, her life is just increasingly, um, she's increasingly being absorbed into the lifestyle of this Palm Beach family. Like she can't help it, starts to meet certain people and get close to them. But of course she discovers secrets and at what point do you have to, I guess, put aside your values? Like how much of that are you going to put aside in order to fit in, in order to have this lifestyle is the question that this is offering. Like, is she going to be able to not, uh, is she going to be able to not write about all of the things that she's seeing? 
So that sounded good. Mm. Yeah, really good. Okay. So I have a book, it looks like a thriller called The Disappearing Act by Catherine Steadman. Have you read and a book by Catherine Steadman? Her name sounds familiar. I may have read a book by Catherine Steadman. I have definitely not because I've never heard of her before this. Oh, um, she wrote to- something in the water, which I really liked. Oh, good. Okay. Yep. And it's something, something in the water and Mr. Nobody. So an actress um, is a British actress who is in LA to audition for pilots, TV pilots. And so she goes to an audition and meets another woman while she's there, another actress. And um, she sort of, you know, starts talking to her and they are, you know, both kind of like commiserating about the process of auditioning and, you know, trying to get these roles and stuff. And so um, then I guess they interact a little bit and there's something happens and um, she disappears. The woman that this, this actress that she has met disappears and then a woman walks, knocks on her door the next day, claiming to be that woman. So she'd only met her briefly, I guess, but you know, long enough for her to get an impression of her. And then she disappears and then she reappears as somebody else. So it's a gripping thriller set in a world close to home that asks the question, in a city where dreams really do come true, how far would you go to make the unreal real? Okay. She kind of writes these books and I feel like maybe the complaint about her is that she, she's all about the buildup. Like, like she like writes these really intricate stories where not necessarily, it doesn't seem like anything is happening in the beginning. Like they're really character driven, at least something in the water was, but I couldn't put it down. I love something in the water. Mr. Nobody was that the name of the second one that she's written? That sounded weird, which is why I didn't read it. But I've probably read The Disappearing Act. At least you found me a book. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> okay, what's your next one? Uh, so my next book is called Mrs. March by Virginia Fato. It looks like she might be, this name looks Portuguese to me. So this is a book that apparently Elizabeth Moss read this book and she's just like, oh my gosh, I have to play this character. So the interesting thing about this book is that it is, this woman, Mrs. March, is the wife of a novelist who has written this book. And as people start talking about this book, they, the question is, did he based the protagonist on his own wife. And so I guess Mrs. March hears about it, like her shopkeeper, you know, is suggesting that the novel is based on her. And she said, but isn't she a whore? So obviously there are some things in Mrs. March's past that are going to come to light as now she's thinking about like, how well does she know her husband? Why is he writing about this? What is it in her past that you know, could come to haunt her. And it says that she's hurled into a harrowing journey that builds to near psychosis, one that begins merely within the pages of a book, but may uncover both the killer and the long buried secrets of her past. So that sounds really good. Yeah, that sounds dark. (laughs) We're all over the place with these books. I know. And we thought we were picking light ones. I know. (laughs) Okay, my last one is also my third repeat author, and that is called The Next Wife by Kyra Ruda, who I believe wrote, what's it called, like The Perfect Day? Um, okay, so this one is about a woman with a successful company, happy marriage, and a daughter, picture perfect family, and then he leaves her for another woman who's half his age. So. It's one of those, you know, wife and then second wife, and then is the first wife the victim or is the second wife the victim? It seems like that's the 
that's the theme here. It's like, oh, it sounds like you know, the other Mrs. Parrish or something like that. Kind of, right? Like, is there some more to this story where the second wife is actually, you know, not getting the prize? Um, so I don't know. I like Kyra Ruda. I liked The Perfect Day. It was extremely tense and uh, page turning. I also follow her on Instagram and she's really cool. I think her husband is a congressman from California. I think um, we've had this conversation before because you say she's a great Instagram follow. Yeah. She just, she seems very cool and down to earth and has, seems like she has a nice family and everything. So yeah, I, um, I would have pay more attention to this one because of that as well, but I would maybe pick this one up. So my last one is In the Country of Others by Layla Slimini. And I've read, I've read all her books now. Ooh, completest. Yes. I read The Perfect Nanny. And then she had that one, Adele, which was about the woman who was addicted to sex. And then I just read her nonfiction book that I, whose name escapes me, which is about um, sex in Morocco, just like the really strict laws that they have in Morocco, morality laws. So this one is, it's supposed to be an interracial romance about this French woman who marries a Moroccan soldier. And he's in the French army during World War II, but after uh, the war is over, the couple settles in Morocco and they start a farm. So he's dealing with trying to get this farm, like they're trying to farm on land that basically is unforgiving and really rocky. And she is kind of isolated and feels suffocated by the harsh climate. And her two young children face troubles of like assimilating in with the other children in the area. So I think her novels and just her works just tend to focus on either women striving to have access to their lives, more access in their lives. And this is all about just, you know, who has the right to belong in this land. Like she's trying to live with her husband and her children in, in an unforgiving search, uh, unforgiving situation. So I really like her books. I mean, they're very engrossing. They're re- yeah, they're really engrossing. And just, I just feel like it's always interesting to get that different perspective because she is both French and Moroccan. So she grew up in a very different culture. And just to have her, the way she shapes her words, I feel like reading her books are just different than reading American authors. So that's August 10th. All right. So all the reviews and Goodreads are in French or... Czech or other languages. It's kind huh. of funny. It's probably out. I mean, sometimes English and French books, they're out like a year before they come out here. So, which right. is why if you really want to get some novels early, you could get them on book depository because they're already out somewhere else. If you see something that you think you like. I don't know about book depository. Really? No. You should check it out. obviously look up all All your favorite british authors and just read their books before they come out here oh cool all right so that's our summer book preview maybe we will check in at the end of the summer and see how many of these we actually got to we should let's look at that not we can't do it this show because obviously we're ending this show but i would be curious to look up and see how we did with our spring reads oh yeah okay so Let's maybe we'll tack that on to the end of the next show. I'll make myself okay. a note. You know, I'm the queen of finding books I want to read and then not reading them. So oh, my yeah. guess is that um, I probably didn't read very many of them. That's what but we I'm, do. I would like to look. Yeah, exactly. It's the theme of the show. All right. Okay, good. Well, um, please weigh in if you've read any of these, especially the Lori Frankel book. Yeah, if you want to just tip us up. Yeah, I've definitely talked on Instagram and saw people read books that have, have uh, tipped it up the scales for me. So you guys influence us. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And until next time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. 
please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonilla.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks. Thanks.